0: Hello and welcome to the Coastal Stories Podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Quincy Larson as my guest. Quincy is the founder of FreeCodeCamp, a non-profit organization that consists of an interactive learning web platform, an online community forum, chat rooms, online publications and local organizations. Since 2014, FreeCodeCamp has helped over 40,000 graduates to land a job in tech. For years, FreeCodeCamp has been the go-to online learning platform especially for people who don't have the financial freedom to invest in their education. On this podcast, among other things, Quincy is going to share some amazing insight on the future of Free Code Camp. Stay tuned. Quincy, welcome to the show. How are you, man?
1: Hey, I'm doing fantastic.
0: Great. How's everything going with you? I'm doing great. Thank you, man. It's been, I've been waiting for this moment for a while. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're finally here. And uh, thank you for being my guest
1: yeah well thank you nathaniel for having me on uh i've watched quite a few interviews you've conducted here on code story so it's a it's a privilege to be part of the uh the channel
0: great uh i think are we having connection issues no everything's fine great uh so yeah um so pre-code camp is something that is still very alien to people here in germany so i would love you to give a let's say very brief introduction um, who you are and how you came up with FreeCodeCamp and what FreeCodeCamp is.
1: Absolutely. So FreeCodeCamp is a, a non-profit uh, and a community where we have a lot of free learning resources for developers. Uh, so you can learn programming in general, computer science, mathematics, and you essentially, our goal is to have everything you need to be Able to teach yourself how to code and become a software engineer potentially um, or, or work in a more technical role within your current industry or your current um, field of expertise. So, uh, for example, we have lots of like lawyers and accountants who use FreeCode Camp to better understand technology and then they can write some basic scripts to help automate parts of their job or um, you know they can use higher level tools like you know SQL and things like that. We even have courses on like Excel and things like that. But the core of Free Code Camp is really, there are three things. There's the the publication where we publish a whole lot of uh, tutorials. And we also have a YouTube channel. It's uh, also kind of where we publish a lot of uh, tutorials. And then we have a forum where anybody can talk about programming, ask programming questions. I like to say it's like Stack Overflow, except it's a lot friendlier and more inclusive. And there's no real sense of elitism. Like you can ask questions that have already been asked before, we're still gonna answer them. we're not just gonna like mark them as duplicate and <laughs> tell you off or anything. So, uh, and then the third aspect of free Code camp, probably the, the thing we're best known for is the curriculum, which is fully interactive, 3000 hours worth of uh, programming. And, and you, you start by learning web development, uh, like front end, and then you learn a lot about API development. Then you learn uh, kind of scientific computing, uh, data science, and then you learn some machine learning and information security. So we kind of cover like the full spectrum of what a junior developer should know going into the field, uh, hmm. so everybody has a broad generalist uh, understanding of the field of software development. Wow,
0: that's great. That's amazing. And uh, I've been, let's say, following Free Code camp for a while now, and I remember when I started um, looking into Free Code Camp uh, there was just this uh, website where you can go and do some courses, and it was more like uh, let's say front-end web development driven. And mm-hmm. uh, now it's it's really huge. You have got like right, like you already mentioned the uh, YouTube channel and has over two million um, subscribers. And uh, <laughs> I was kind of amazed when I saw uh, recently. Uh, Looked into your YouTube channel and there was uh Excel. You, <laughs> yeah, there was. I was like, What? Yes, free code camps offering Excel uh, lessons, uh, so that's really amazing. So, yeah, and um, you also uh, have those blogs where people can just write anything related to tech, share their stories, their journey into uh, software development or whichever um profession in tech that's really great and there's one thing actually i uh, i remember when i started uh, looking into free code camp i um i later switched to ios development and mm-hmm. i was thinking to myself man why does free Code camp doesn't have the oh that's here <laughs> <laughs> Hey,
1: Jeff. i'm not sure where mommy went sorry she'll find mommy eventually close the door please Jocelyn, can you close the door for me, please? She ignored me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you can see this is not script. It's just.
1: <laughs> yes. It like yeah. 2020, yeah. everybody's yeah. home with their kids. This is this is life.
0: Right. And uh, yeah, so I was looking into Free Code Camp, looking into front end development, uh, web development. And then I s- later switched to iOS development. And I was like, uh, why does Free Code Camp not have um, anything uh, on their um, Free Code Camp? courses uh, so so in the let's say in the um in the place the place where you can do the all the responsive courses and just enter code and thing, and um there's a compiler that checks your code if everything's right and if that's the case you go to the next challenge i was thinking that wow oh, it would be amazing if we would have that with ios development but unfortunately, it wasn't there. So I would like to ask, <laughs> are you guys looking forward to build something for uh, mobile development, native mobile development? So uh, yeah, iOS development, an Android question. development.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent question, Nathaniel. So um, with mobile development, I generally tell people they should learn web development first just because they're going to have to be interacting with like backend. And uh, a lot of what you learn with like, you know, accessibility and, and design sensibilities that you're using CSS for, you can port over to doing mobile app development with, um, you know, uh, with you know, iOS, uh, you know, Objective-C, Swift, and then also on the Google side, uh, you know, Android, Flutter, Kotlin, stuff like that, uh, Java. So we have a single curriculum that's designed for just developers in general. And i generally tell people if they want to get into mobile development try to get into web development first and transition mm. into mobile development because it's more specialized it's more advanced and, and it's almost like you have to have a superset of web development to be able to do mobile development uh, mm. depending on what aspect of mobile development you're doing but um, it's also hard to teach mobile development interactively in a browser uh, which is one of the things we try to do with free code camp and web development and machine learning surprisingly are relatively easy to teach in the browser uh, but Actually, having like you know d- different device sizes and and uh, being able to write code that that runs kind of a native app uh, is a little bit harder. What we've done is we've published a lot of courses on Swift and Flutter and things like that on the FreeCodeCamp YouTube channel. So there, it's not quite as good being able to, as being able to learn interactively in real time. But I know that uh, Apple has some pretty good tooling around that as well. Um, so I would recommend using the first party tools that that Apple and and uh, Google put out for mobile app development, and then combining it with, you know, YouTube channels and, and tutorials, and there are probably some really good blogs around mobile app, mobile app development as well, and just kind of uh, strapping together your own curriculum from that. But yeah, I just it's it's a little outside of my area of expertise, <laughs> which is more like you know Python ecosystem and JavaScript ecosystem. So yeah, I don't I, I apologize if that's not a satisfying answer, but <laughs> there are tons of really good free learning resources mobile app development as well. It's just a Freeco Camp. We, we had to kind of decide what we want to do and what we want to be and, and uh, focusing on these more ubiquitous tools that that are not part of like kind of ecosystems mm-hmm. like Apple's or Google's. Uh, that was one of the key decisions we made.
0: All right. Okay and uh, so Freeco Camp is now just in English. Are you looking forward to you make it available in other languages?
1: Yes, uh, it's available uh, in Chinese and uh, we're, we're launching the Spanish version very soon. And soon we hope to launch, you know, Brazilian, Portuguese, uh, German, Arabic. German, German, yeah. please. German, German might, German. maybe eventually, although I have to say that Germany has probably the best English education, you know, curriculum program in the world. In terms of just, like, it's very rare that I meet a German national who doesn't speak English mm-hmm. You know, at a native level, basically, uh, it's just, uh, and, and the languages are similar enough that I think that um, we do want to create a German curriculum eventually, a German translation. But, uh, you know, when you look at like languages like Arabic and uh, Chinese that are very dissimilar hmm. from English and even some of the Romance languages, it's it's a lot harder for people who speak those languages to comfortably learn to code in English. Uh, so we've prioritized those languages. All right. Okay,
0: and um, so FreeCodeCamp has s- s- is such an awesome platform and there's so many things you can learn from it. And uh, when I'm telling people about FreeCodeCamp, telling them you can learn uh, machine learning, responsive web design, JavaScript, front-end uh, development, uh, QA, and they're like, wow, that's amazing. So how much does this thing cost? And I'm like, it's for free. <laughs> like what? It's a free, so you can go there and just do all this stuff free. And so, I have been wondering: is this gonna remain for free, or is it like somewhere down the line you're gonna have to change something?
1: That's a great question. I'll tell you, it is always going to be free. And if you look, like I'm wearing a free Co camp shirt. <laughs> uh, oh, you when I, the, when the I free started free cooking, I intentionally put the word free right at <laughs> <over> the <laughs> beginning, just. Just to like tie my hands, like no matter how much, uh, you know, I might be like, oh, man, maybe we should charge for this. Like we need more money. Uh, that's not an option. We're, we're going to figure out a way to keep it free. And, and I'll tell you that um, Co Camp has about 6,000 people around the world who donate to Co Camp, usually like five U.S. dollars. It's not a lot of money, but in aggregate, when you get thousands and thousands of people donating, you get enough money to have a basic budget. Now, if you look at like uh, other learning platforms, like for example, Udacity. Or Academy, they have hundreds of millions of dollars or more than 100 million dollars in venture capital funding mm. free cocaine's budget for 2019 which i just finished doing the taxes was less than half a million dollars mm. so uh it's it's like a tiny tiny fraction of what these kind of big budget uh learning platforms have uh but we're able to because it's open source and because we have thousands of people contributing to it we're able to accomplish a lot and be very capital efficient actually if you if you take the amount of time that people spend using free code camp and learning on free code camp and then you you divide that over our budget uh, actually if you divide our budget over that amount of time uh you come up with about 50 hours of learning by people around the world for every one us dollar spent on the budget mm. so, so you see you're getting billions like more than a billion minutes of usage a year uh maybe two billion at this point and you are you know you have a budget of less than half a million dollars I mean it it's extreme capital efficiency but that's what you can do when you have a lot of res- when you're resource constrained but you do have a whole lot of uh, kind people who are willing to, to volunteer their time and their expertise
0: hmm. wow great that's amazing and um, so maybe if you somewhere um, sometime in the future if you then decide to make frequent camp, no longer free. You can change it to cheap code. Uh, code camp, for example, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: cheap. Yes, although I can, I can tell you, like that's never going to happen. Not right. not as long as I'm alive. Uh, and you know, I can't control what happens to the nonprofit after mm. I die or like retire. Probably die uh, because um, you know we're a nonprofit. We we don't have any owners. There's no there are no investors in free code camp. The public owns free code camp. Like you own free code camp. Nathaniel. And, and everybody who's watching this you technically own free code camp just as much as me the founder of it and uh it like we want free code camp to become like the ymca like the red cross like you know medicine mm-hmm. frontiers you know um we we want it to become kind of an institution that has a multi-generational lifespan uh that continues to carry out its mission so um yeah, I mean, free is just kind of like a given aspect of that. If we if we were to start charging, we would shut out a lot of people. Uh, most many of the people who use free Code Camp live off less than ten U.S. dollars a day, and about sixty percent of people on Earth live off less than ten U.S. dollars a day. Uh, many of them don't have credit cards or, or bank accounts or PayPal accounts or anything like that. So even if you were to charge just like a dollar, that would el- immediately eliminate a lot of those people from being able to use these resources. So it's very important. To the kind of the DNA of our nonprofit, that everything remains completely free. Mm,
0: great. Uh, has any of the huge tech um, giants came to you and tried to buy Freecodecamp?
1: <laughs> yes, but I don't want to go see. into detail about who. <laughs> who okay. But yeah. let me just put it this way: you can't. It, it's actually been more than one. You can't buy a nonprofit unless you are already a nonprofit. And All right. if they were to make a serious offer, I'm sure that they would actually ask a lawyer or an accountant and figure that out. <laughs> so these offers were very like, they weren't like a serious, like, here are the exact terms and here's the amount of money and everything. It was just like, and I was able to just shut them down, like, hey, you can't buy a nonprofit, dude. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we would be probably, like, even if, even if, like, uh, let's say, like a huge NGO, Uh, like maybe like uh, UNESCO or something like that were to try to acquire. I don't think we would go for it because we value our independence. Um, And and Mm. I'm very confident based on our performance so far, you know, that capital efficiency, taking small amounts of money uh, donations and turning it into huge, you know, library of Alexandria of learning resources, uh, which, you know, in terms of what was actually in the library of Alexandria, maybe we're not even close to that yet. But we're we're eventually going to get there. Eventually, we're going to have a comparable amount of money resources to what was in the Great Library of Alexandria when it was raised.
0: Mm, great. And um, so, when COVID came along, people's life changed dramatically, and many people have been learning from home because um, they can't learn from uh, let's say go to school. They can't go to college because they closed. So, uh, how, which impact did um, COVID had on free cook camp? Did it, um, like, was it a positive, negative impact, or how was it?
1: Uh, it's Well, first of all, for all the people that are in the free FreeCodeCamp community, pretty much everybody's been negatively impacted. Because not only, uh, if if they had a job where they couldn't work remotely, many of them lost their job. Hmm. You know, a lot of people have canceled their donations because they're just like, you know, my, my job went away, unfortunately, and, and I totally understand. Uh, a lot of other people have, uh, of course, lost loved ones, including myself, uh, to COVID-19. Uh, my grandma died about two weeks ago, and, and she died from COVID-19. So uh, it's it, here in the United States, it's been just a catastrophe, like a historic catastrophe. Um, many, many, many people are dying or are very sick and we don't know what the long-term effects of COVID-19 are. So any sort of positive silver lining that it's been for Free Code Camp in terms of more people like learning from home and stuff is just immediately outweighed by the catastrophe not only of the virus itself but of the US administration's response to the virus. Uh, it did not have to be like this. The US could have been like Australia, it could have been like South Korea like Taiwan, like many of these other countries, China had an excellent response, even though it was a very firm response, but there are lots of, you know, democracies that had really great responses to COVID-19 too. And the U.S. should have been one of them. And I think under different leadership, it would have been one of them. But uh, the reality is a lot of people have had a lot of time at home and they've been using that time to learn. And, you know, thankfully we've been able to help a lot of those people retrain for the careers that are gonna be available after the virus, you know, is exterminated um, and many of them have still been able to get jobs even though it's much harder to get a job right now because a lot of developers are on the job market and it's gone from being like a, a seller's market for developer talent to just being back to kind of like a normal market where you don't have a huge like there aren't people kicking down your door to hire you as a developer like there used to be. Mm. So at least not here in the US but I think we'll get back to that because um, we are still creating developer jobs faster than we're creating developers Mm. as a society and you know at least here in the united states so it's it's had a positive impact on in terms of just giving people more time to reflect and to make life decisions like i don't want to work as a trucker anymore i don't want to work in retail anymore what can i do next hey software development seems like a good field where i can make a good wage and i can have a high degree of flexibility in my lifestyle and i can have creative work which is something that we you know as developers may take for granted but a lot of people are just sitting on the phone all day, you know, talking to customers or, um, you know, doing staring at an Excel spreadsheet all day, just kind of like moving numbers around and not necessarily feeling like they're doing something that uses like all their kind of artistic skill and their, their critical thinking and all that. Hmm.
0: Okay. Hey, um, sorry for your loss. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this uh, this pandemic has been really, really um something it's complicated and um people like you said people have lost li- their lives loved ones jobs and um i'm really grateful that even in the midst of uh, such a terrible time that we are uh, going through right now there's still something out there where people can um people can stay productive they can stay active and um yeah okay how can how can people contribute to FreeCodeCamp? So uh, yeah. maybe sponsorship, tutorials, blogs. You um, want to be a tutor, mentor. How can that? Um, how does that?
1: Yeah. If you go to contribute.freecodecamp.org, you'll see like this entire guide to contributing. But the the, the main way uh, is to just get active on the forum and you know answer people's questions, give them feedback on their projects. Um, if somebody's, there's a section called, you can do this. If somebody's feeling discouraged and feeling like, ah, oh, there's no way I can get through this, you can go in there and you can just cheer them on. And uh, just by helping talk to people on the forum, that that's a huge way that you can contribute. I'd probably say that's the most important way. The other way is, of course, uh, you can contribute to the code base. You can, you can help improve and extend the curriculum. Uh, a lot of the uh, coding challenges, for example, there are thousands of them. Some of them don't have completely comprehensive test test cases. Like there might be corner cases that a test might miss. And, you know, when you have millions of people going through a curriculum, there's the possibility that hundreds of people could be hitting this corner case and being like, huh, what's going on here? Like, why isn't my code passing? Or like my code shouldn't pass in this case, but it passes. You know, little things like that, that we can do to marginally, incrementally improve the quality of the curriculum. Those are ways you can help um, through GitHub. And then uh, of course, if you want to essentially write articles. We have very high editorial standards and, and we, you know, you can go to like Hackernoon, you can go to Hashnode, uh, you can write articles on, on those sites. And I think it's a little easier to publish on there. And they're more liberal about what they they accept and publish. Uh, but if you want to write like hard technical tutorials uh, that, that are focused on on really getting deep into the code and covering like specific, uh, you know, issues that somebody might encounter, uh, the publication is a great way to to do that. and. The publication gets uh, millions of visitors a month. It's, it's, it's actually about the same size as like a lot of major tech publications like Wired and, and TechCrunch and things like that in terms of the traffic it gets. And it's just programming tutorials. There's no tech news or anything there. So um, yeah, that, that would be another good place that you could potentially contribute articles. And of course we do have the YouTube channel. And if you are a pretty experienced YouTuber, who has created a lot of courses in the past and wants to create a course on a very specific topic and you're willing to create like a, a long course because most of the courses we publish are several hours long um you can definitely uh there's like a guide if you search free co youtube channel guide or something like that you'll find an article that bo karns who runs free co youtube channel that he wrote and and it combines like all of our wisdom over the past four years of four or five years of being active on youtube and kind of the things we have learned along the way. And it also has instructions for how you can uh, apply to be uh, a creator and, and, and cross-publish your, your videos or, or create a brand new article, uh, brand new video for FreeCodeCamp's YouTube channel. Mm, great. Uh,
0: when did you launch uh, Free Code Camp?
1: October fifteenth of twenty fourteen.
0: Twenty fourteen. Um, if you could turn back the hands of time and um, before twenty fourteen. You knew that FreeCodeCamp would be something that was going to be a platform that's going to be so amazing, something that can help a lot of people. Would you have started FreeCodeCamp right from scratch during your maybe your early, early um, career stages?
1: I wasn't really ready. I mean, my personal story is: I was a teacher and a school director for the first decade or so of my career, and then at 31. That's when I decided, like, I wanted to learn to code. Oh, wow, totally. And, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm going to turn 40 in, like, a month or so. Um, so, really, like, I've only been coding for about nine years. And uh, I just, I wasn't ready. I wouldn't have been ready. I was running schools in the U.S. and in China. I was a school director, and I was teaching. Um, and uh, I just decided to learn how to do some very basic coding so i could make my school more efficient and it not only did i make my school way more efficient and uh improved a whole lot of things and everybody became very happy like nobody like none of the teachers had to you know spend all day on their desks filling out forms and stuff because i figured out ways to like fill out forms automatically and things like that they could spend more time with the students the students were happy uh the the you know i was the school director and we had like districts and all that and the districts Uh, directors were all very impressed with what i'd done and very excited they gave me a bunch of rewards and stuff and uh it was just like wow just a little bit of coding skill completely changed my school (laughs) just one guy who decided to google some things right uh and that's when i realized how powerful coding was and i wouldn't i mean if you went back way back in time and told me when i was like 18 or something like Mm. you're going to create this coding you know community and all this stuff i wouldn't believe you because i i didn't know how to I didn't even know how to set up a Wi-Fi router, like my wife would set up a Wi-Fi router for me because I'd get frustrated. I'd be like, I can't get this going. What's, what's going on? So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have believed it and I probably would have just shrugged it off. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't ready to do anything like this until my mid-30s. And I tell a lot of people, like, a lot of people come right out of university and they're like, all right, I'm going to do a startup or I'm going I'm to start a company. Uh, and my, my humble advice is just work for somebody else, learn as much as you can. And then when you get into your 30s and you have a little more life experience, you made mistakes on somebody else's dime that's a perfect time to dive in and like actually start building projects and I built several failed projects before free code camp uh, that were also focused on uh, technology education uh, so so it, it was just a whole lot of experimentation and eventually I got lucky really that we got early critical mass with free code camp and that people started getting uh, people in the free code camp community started uh, contributing to the curriculum and people started getting jobs and then people started turning around and donating money to Free camp and, and that's how things kind of took off from there. Uh, but again, it was a lot of luck. It was a lot of being in the right place at the right time. Uh, I don't think there's anything particularly magical or special about my approach to it, uh, but I learned a lot and I I just put myself in a position where I could learn as much as possible. I saved as much money as I could. It's another thing, like I had $150,000 that I'd saved up uh, that I was going to spend on like a down payment on a house in California, which would have been a very small house <laughs> in the Bay area. You, it's very expensive to live there. But instead I took that money and I just, you know, poured it into a free camp and like, okay, let's get some people to help me develop this. Let's get some people to help me with, uh, you know, overseeing some of the voluntary contributors and, and paying for a ton of servers and stuff like that. And that's how we were able to get through the first two years. Mm. Then we got tax exempt status and then we were able to start receiving donations. And, and that's how we've kind of gone since.
0: So you would have definitely started earlier if you could. I,
1: I, don't think that I could have, is the thing. Like, I like I needed to be ready in terms of like maturity yeah. as a manager. Who've been running schools as, as a teacher, as uh, somebody who knew a little bit about coding. Like all those projects that I built prior mm. to Free Code Camp. Like I built like an entire recommendation engine, uh, which I've talked about like in a lot more detail. If you want to listen like podcasts and stuff, interviews with me. But but basically, like I spun my wheels. But I kind of learned how to code through the school of hard knocks, like building complicated pieces of software by myself, and uh, thrashing and, and staying up all night, and, and just, you know, that I needed to go through that process. Uh, I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, it, it, it. I don't, I'm not like a huge believer in fate or destiny or anything, but but like, I definitely, if if the circumstances have been different, freeCodeCamp probably wouldn't exist. It was a series of events that put me in the right place at the right time to be able to uh, affect change.
0: All right. And um, <clears throat> I was thinking about if FreeCodeCamp, uh, if you had the opportunity to make Free Camp a place, let's say a physical institution, a building where people can meet on site face to face and uh, take lessons. Would you want to do that or would you like it, uh, want it to stay just 100% online?
1: Like well, it we do We do have uh, study groups. And when there's not a giant global pandemic, yeah. uh, we had about 2,000 study groups around the world where people would get together at libraries, at cafes and, and code together. And I like that. I don't like the idea of having dedicated space just because it costs so much money to like, you know, rent, uh, you know, a space in a strip mall. Or I don't know if you know what a strip mall is. We have these in the U.S. They're basically like outdoor strips of shopping centers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have tons of them in the U.S. Uh, and you could just get like a shop and put it there, or or like even you know, um, just some uh, just some room in a big office building or something where people go and they code together. Uh, I think the best the best thing to do would be just to support hacker spaces and maker spaces, and uh, you know sponsor them, and then they can have free cooking and a lot of those places do have free cocaine events. Uh, so I just encourage people to donate to those places instead and uh, to use them because uh, my a lot of my belief around education is it shouldn't you shouldn't be learning like all day, every day. You should be working and then you should go and learn a little bit every day. And it's you learn a little bit incrementally over a long period of time. Your brain can learn a lot more if you're only studying like an hour or two a day. But if you learn every single day for years, you can learn a million times more, not a million times, but a lot more than you can learn if you were going to school all day, every day, like that's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of coding boot camps, is because I believe that they're diminishing returns to sitting down and trying to learn for like eight or 10 or 15 hours straight. (laughs) Uh, I think it works much better if you just pace yourself and you just do little, little bites Mm -hmm. of uh, learning throughout, throughout the day. And then you do it for extremely long periods of time, which is why I think lifelong learning is such an important concept. Uh, i i imagine a world where people finish high school and they go out and they get a job instead of going to four years for university they just essentially that four years of university stretched out over the next 10 or 15 years of their career
0: great and uh do you think that online learning platform like uh pre-code camp uh coursera udemy and uh, what else do we have code academy do you Mm -hmm. think uh this kind of um domain can replace the traditional uh, school system that we have today you think there's a chance that uh, that can happen
1: i think it's very important for people to meet in person as well Um, a lot of learning seems to be based around like location like i can remember just running around san francisco with my laptop meeting people going to different uh different hack nights and things like that like like the time that like closures clicked for me or the time that that uh recursion clicked for me and i was sitting next to somebody and uh you know we were eating pizza and and we were going through the code and and they were telling me like oh try this this Uh, and and like that that location i mean there must be something special about uh human memory and like the intensity of being right there with somebody in person you can't really reproduce that online i'm sure that they'll try to with like vr and things like that but you can only get so close there's only so much verisimilitude before um you know it, it's just not quite like being in person with somebody so i think uh schools will inherently be especially for young kids who don't have the maturity of an adult an adult can learn 10 times faster than a kid people always act like oh i'm an adult i can't learn new things actually you can learn things way faster as an adult than you can as a kid you've got all this context and you've got discipline to sit down and learn it kids just run all over the place and and they do learn, but it takes them forever to learn language. Uh, for example, it takes them forever to learn mathematics and things like that. Uh, you can probably teach somebody all of like high school math within a few months if they were just sitting down doing dedicated study, like two hours a day. So, um, yeah, I, I think another thing about school is it's, it preoccupies kids, so parents can work. Hmm. That's one of the things that I think a lot of people are uncomfortable acknowledging, <laughs> but we've seen with the pandemic that a lot of the role of school is just getting your kids out of your house so you yourself can work now um of course i'm here in t- dallas texas which is one of the epicenters of the pandemic uh and you know the schools are all closed and we wouldn't send our kids to school even if they were open because it's too much of a risk uh so we have just been <laughs> keeping the kids occupied during the day but but i can i can definitely see like a lot of parents don't have that luxury of being able to just kind of like they're working remotely and they have an unstructured schedule where they can just go and take care of the kids and come back. So, yeah. Hmm. Um,
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about um,
1: Nigeria. (laughs) Yes. I want to talk about Nigeria and I want to ask you some questions. Uh, So, so you grew up in Nigeria until you were 13 and then you moved to Germany.
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So which uh, which city in Nigeria did you grow up in? Benin city beating City. In, okay. in city. But uh, later, before, shortly before I moved to Germany, I was uh, living in Lagos, and uh, yeah. So actually, when I was in Nigeria, I had absolutely. I remember the only, let's say, thing that came close to, let's say, software. De- not say software development, but anything that has to do with um, computers. It was actually video games. <laughs> there were always this um let's say they call it cave where you can go and pay money and play video games for i don't know 10 minutes and then you have to pay again and then man i was so so um excited when i had like a few coins and i could just go to this cave and play video games and then come back home try to figure out how to get money and <laughs> and uh, yeah it was uh that's actually the let's say the, the the one of the things that um yeah brought me closer to interacting with software and uh when i came to germany i remember when i got my first computer it was a windows 98 and uh yeah i was always trying to figure out how this computer works and how can i make my computer faster and uh, so it was like this this urge to know how a computer Uh, interact uh, with humans with other um, components it was something that's always um, been interested I've always been interested in and uh, yeah I started coding when I was 30 I (laughs) I uh, I'm 34 now and um, I remember when I started when I wrote my very first line of code I was amazed what you can do with programming and uh, that the things that are in your head, that in your mind, you can just, um, yeah, write them down and code and they can manifest themselves and people can actually use it and see it. So I was really, really excited and uh, pumped up to learn more about coding. So I was doing it every day at night when my, my wife and kids in bed, I was uh, coding and um i did that for a couple of months it's not that healthy but i did wake up at four four o'clock in the morning and uh code for two hours and after that I'd go to work full time i was working uh, i was working as um user help desk specialist so i worked full time after work come back home kids go to bed wife go to bed and i code again i did that for like three four months i was all um able to sustain that for three four months but it was really a not it was a period where I was able to um, learn a lot and where I could, where I was able to decide that yes this is definitely something I want to do in the future yeah so yeah that's, that's, that's how I actually started coding and um, uh, in summer 2019 I landed my first job as an iOS developer and I've been working for the same company till today and um, I'm so happy so grateful being part of the programming community. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's fantastic, man. And congratulations. I didn't, I didn't realize you'd started the coding at age 30. So yeah. right around when I started. Yeah. Of course you're you're about uh five or six years younger than me. Um but it sounds like you very you know you were pretty quickly able to get a developer job, even though you're working full time yeah. with kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh that was one advantage like uh, i my wife and i have been married for like 15 years but we uh we didn't have kids until much later mm-hmm. after i'd started free cocaine and i always joked that uh if i already had kids there were, free cocaine would not exist <laughs> because the kids are such an additional burden and i think a lot of people uh who don't have kids yet uh may underestimate the sheer volume of work <laughs> that kids produce <laughs> uh they they constantly need um need parenting and oversight and uh constantly asking for things and it's a lot of work man so i just i just want to you know a lot of respect for what you've accomplished over the past few years that's amazing
0: thank you and uh there are a lot of uh graduates from nigeria um uh, pre-code camp graduates from nigeria i, I think i was uh, watching one of your reading one of your posts i think a few months ago and you wrote something about i don't know a couple of thousands of uh, graduates from nigeria and how many were there like nigerian
1: so i just look at the uh, linkedin Mm. to figure out um we have a linkedin alumni network that has uh, tens of thousands of people maybe hundreds of thousands at this point um and uh i just kind of look at those people and i say okay who went to free code camp that before they went to free Camp they weren't working as a developer and now they are working as a developer that's like what we kind of consider alumni it's a very basic test uh, but, but from that, you know, there are 40, 50,000 people at, at, least that we know that have put free code camp on their LinkedIn, uh, cause a lot of people don't put it on their LinkedIn, um, uh, that have gotten developer jobs. And, uh, many of those are in Nigeria. Nigeria is, you know, especially, uh, Lagos and Abuja, um, uh, to some extent Wari, um, you know, there, there are a lot of developers over there that are using free code camp. And it, I think at one point it may still be the case that, uh, behind the United States and India, Nigeria was the third most, pot, you know, like heavy users of free cocaine. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, considering Nigeria is only like 100 million people, India is like a 1.4 billion people. The United States is like three and a half, uh, 350 million people, you know, like there is a very high per capita, you know, free cocaine usage or, or developer aspirant. Uh, population there in in Nigeria, and it's it's super impressive. And Great. Uh, yeah, I've I've had the luxury of hopping on a lot of calls with uh, different you know programming study groups in in Nigeria. And the thing that has just you know amazed me is just their 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 energy. And and one of the other things that's really nice is there are a lot of women in Nigeria that are learning to code as well. Mm. Uh, I, I think the ratio of women to men is probably more favorable <laughs> than in uh, the United States and in, uh, perhaps in India as well. So, um, yeah, you you all have a very. I mean, I say you all. Obviously, you're you're you've been living in Germany for, for a long time. But but in Nigeria, there is a very, uh, you know, energetic and enthusiastic developer contingent.
0: Great, amazing. And uh, any plans to visit Nigeria? <laughs> after yes, after... actually,
1: I was planning to go there in 2020. <laughs> okay. But... <laughs> but then... <laughs> 2022. What probably. happened? Why? I just want to go hang out like I you know people keep telling me about the jollof rice yeah I was uh, yeah
0: you know I told you like a few months ago that whenever you come to Berlin let's uh I'm gonna invite you to my place I'm gonna cook jollof rice for you
1: (laughs) yeah 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 I'm just excited to to go out there and experience you know the culture I've I've really only spent time in the United States and and in uh, Asia I lived in China for six years Hmm. so um, I, I haven't spent any time in Africa really and I haven't spent very much time in Europe either you know, I think I, I went to like Europe for just a few days mm-hmm. on like a school trip or something like that. Uh, but but there's a lot to be explored in kind of the middle of the map. <laughs> Spent a lot of time on that side and this side. Now I want to go to the middle. Great.
0: All right. We are almost done. And um, so you are looking forward to um, expand Free Code Camp. In what way, or or do you do you see freeCodeCamp? Where do you see freeCodeCamp in ten years? So, what are your plans with freeCodeCamp? Where do you want it to be?
1: Yeah, well, um, we just want to continue creating free learning resources for people. We want to cover a lot more mathematics, a lot more computer science, a lot more tools like uh, that we don't currently cover very extensively, like like SQL, um, Bash, and Linux. Um, you know, Git and GitHub. Um, and of course, we want to cover like Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Access, a lot of the tools that uh, more people who use computers as super users use. Um, a lot more Windows, like just how to fix different things that can happen to your Windows computer, how to, how to make better use of your Windows computer. Like, what, what does RAM do? Why is it so important to have a lot of RAM in your computer? Like, there are a lot of foundational kind of technological education uh topics that we hope to cover and and our goal is that we can be kind of a kind of like a substitute for getting a cs degree if you already have a degree in something and you don't want to go back to school and get an undergraduate in computer science well there's this place for called free co camp where you can just learn it at your own pace while you continue to work you know while you take care of your kids like you have all these obligations in your life you don't have to drop anything you don't have to risk any money or anything you just have to to gradually work through a curriculum and uh expand your skills that way that's that's the long-term view for free code games just doing more of the same of what we're doing but kind of covering even more topics Mm. and and not only like a lot of people's tendency is like oh let's go more and more advanced let's cover graphql let's cover react hooks and stuff like that and yeah we'll we'll probably cover some of that but we're much more interested in covering more foundational Mm. and going down uh a little bit uh if that makes sense
0: yeah so yeah great and how can people reach you yeah just
1: just a uh, uh, Twitter OSSIA, uh, Ossia is my handle, um, or just Google Quincy Larson and I think it's one of the top results. Uh, you can DM me there. I have open DMs. I'm always happy to help. Uh, I'm not that great at giving quick technical help <laughs> for that. If you if you need help with like some code you're working on, or even with freeCodeCamp, I recommend going to the freeCodeCamp forum, where there are you know hundreds of contributors, potentially thousands of people on the forum any given time that can potentially help answer your question so um but yeah just just give me a shout on twitter and uh if i can do anything if you need some quick advice or something just don't hesitate to shoot me a message i generally reply to almost everybody as long as you don't send me like don't send me like a drink like hello (laughs) Uh, because i don't know how to respond to that but if you just send me a message like hey i'm a you know i'm a bioengineering student at you know the uh Bengaluru or something like that, right? (laughs) Like if you give me the details of what school you're setting at or where you are things of that, I might be able to point you towards some learning resources that are helpful. All right. But don't be shy.
0: (laughs) Great. Uh, Quincy, thank you very much for uh, being part of the show. Thank you for being my guest. I really, really enjoyed the time uh, with you on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for uh, launching such a huge and amazing platform uh, like uh, FreeCodeCamp it has been um, it has been really uh, it has been something that's been really helpful for me personally and something that I've also shared with people who have reached out to me asking me Nathaniel I would like to dive into software development in the code I don't know where to start I don't know what to learn I don't know how to get started and i'll say free code camp <laughs> that one of the first awesome. thing that comes into my mind and um yeah i, I really hope that one day a code camp is going to be in german and i can also introduce it to my german friends and because unfortunately a lot of german uh, native speakers are really really shy to start learning english here in berlin it's it's much better but uh, other parts of germany they are really, they hesitate a lot to when, it, when it comes to English, like, no, no, I don't want anything to do with English. And, but uh, I think, um, yeah, if, um, if in the future there's a German translation, that will be awesome. I can be a speaker and share it right away. <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> yeah. For your German, be fantastic. yeah. <laughs> your German release. That would be amazing.
1: Yeah. I just, I just want to thank you again uh, for everything you're doing. Nathaniel. I've really enjoyed watching a lot of the interviews here on, on code stories. And uh, everything you're doing for the global developer community, helping uh, raise awareness of different people's journeys, because uh, I think there's still like this myth of this, you know, teenage genius who just they like all the coding is done by people that are like learned to code when they were like 10 years old and yeah. uh, they're working at Facebook by the by age 25 or something like you know th- that's just not how it is. Like most developers I know, like they they gradually ramp up their skills. Many of them enter the field in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, so. Yeah, thanks for helping dispel a lot of that um, misconception and just showing that that tech is a fairly inclusive place and that there's a lot of opportunity for everyone here.
0: Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. All right, we're done for today. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching. I hope you enjoy the show. Have a nice day, we're out, bye-bye.